God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to The God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. Today we are talking about Augsburg Confession Article 22 on both kinds in the sacrament. Mm-hmm. That would be the Lord's Supper, that sacrament. That's right. Not both kinds in baptism. <laughs> Communion under both species. Although, what would both ty- kinds in baptism be? I would imagine Luther supposedly said if there's no water available you could use beer i never so that might no, be both kinds no, no, in no, baptism no, don't don't, be... don't do one of those luther <laughs> apocryphal quotes that that throws people you know you give everybody... i don't know if it's true or not uh, I, I am i'm willing to say this is not true everything i learned in seminary was not true yeah, don't, no this, this especially is, this... after evening prayers at applebee's with much libation this sounds uh... extremely apocryphal <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even... I qualified it. Yeah. I did qualify it. Uh, anyway, if you want to call and leave a message on the God Whispers hotline, area code 626-593-7713 or Manly Doctors 13. <laughs> Bill, what about email? I never fail to get a chuckle out of it's Manly Doctors good. 13. That's, a, that's taken care of. There goes that page. Good. Um, oh, email. Why bother, I say. <laughs> do you look at them? Uh, do, you actively, uh, do you actively look at them? I do. About once every two or three weeks, I gathered. You know, judging by that activity, I gathered that's the case. So so you probably aren't privy to the uh, the spam attack, right? No. Yeah, no, man, you told me about that. Though. My mailbox runneth over there. That's what happens when you have open comments on a, on a, on a blog, but... We won't uh, we won't go into that any further. Uh, but if you want to email us, GodWhispers at gmail dot com. It's a great place, gmail dot com. And um, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. What am I forgetting? The website, godwhispers.org or .com will get you there. Which is probably where you found us in the first place. So. <laughs> <laughs> we did get a Skype call uh, on the God Whispers hotline the other day, uh, but it was Pastor Dan Kissler just calling to say hi. Just calling so, to say hi. Well, hi, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of my, my wife, yes. my wife, uh, she, uh, she handed me this on, on the way in. Uh, she knew we were recording, and it's all nicely wrapped here. Yes, nice tissue nice paper. Tissue deck the halls uh, with boughs of holly. Very festive. Uh, with uh, but but very very ni- nicely nicely wrapped little yes gift here, and she said to open it on air. Well, let's get to it. But it's only um, what December? What's what's today? December sixteenth, seventeenth. It's our Hanukkah gift. It's a yeah, <laughs> was it second day of Hanukkah or something? Uh, Hanukkah started on the eleventh. Seeing year, as how so the, the, this is going to this is going to air on the twenty first, which is getting mighty close. And, yeah. And and since my you know my wife said to open it on air, this is what I'm going to do. So that'll be post so Hanukkah. She said this is this is a gift to the God Whispers, and we would really appreciate it. Okay. And, and we'll get a laugh out of this. So, okay, well, so here, here goes. Here, here goes. So, so I'm dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made you out of clay. I'm actually dreidle, dreidle, opening dreidle. The, uh, the said gift. Looks, it looks like food. I'm thinking it's pencils. Oh my! What is it? Bacon. <laughs> Moe's dark bacon bar. <laughs> Good gravy. <laughs> Applewood smoked bacon, Alderwood smoked salt, and dark chocolate. 
Ooh. We're opening this on air. I By don't all care. means, we are sampling the chocolate bacon. Well, who's this pictured on the back? Boy, that bacon was loud. I don't know. She's kind of hot, though. Yeah, well, no, no, hot chicks with no, bacon. No kidding. <laughs> What's up? Katrina. What, the, what? Who is this? Who is this Katrina? I don't know. But My. it's just more proof that bacon draws all the beautiful it, it, people. It does. It does. Here, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm opening this because, you know, I, I think this should be an on-air experience. Right. I have here. my bottle of water handy <laughs> in, in just in case, case does, I, I have in to case rinse. It yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we might want to grab that trash can over there, Bill. <laughs> Holy smokes! Is that thing like this is hermetically this sealed? Metal, that's steel clad right there. <laughs> I, I can't get into it. <laughs> I'm having troubles. Where, where here. am I? Wait a minute. I got a little bitty pocket knife on my keys. Oh wait. Oh, here we oh, go. Oh, success. Here we go. All right. Let's let's uh. The aroma. Oh my goodness. How's the nose on? Holy that? mackerel. This 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 could be you know we're putting up an if this is good we're putting up an at Moe's dark bacon bar again let's let's see the applewood the cover there this is by I'm gonna pass that cover over chocolat um, applewood smoked bacon alderwood smoked salt dark chocolate so it's, you know it's healthy it's it's if it's, it's got dark it's, chocolate it's, it's, I'm handing I'm handing a Craig a piece there right now it smells like chocolate mostly it smells like chocolate sixty two percent all right ready all right here we go. <laughs> it's crispy. It's kind of got a, a little bit of a Nestle's Crunch uh, texture, but that crunch mm. is bacon, oh, and then the bacon comes out. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, holy mackerel! This is the this is a new breakfast food right here. That's a party in your mouth right there. Oh my goodness! Hmm. That's not bad. No, it's surprisingly good. So Who like, knew? The, <laughs> the the initial the initial flavor is is chocolate, definitely dark chocolate. But then it it gives way to bacon. <laughs> you know, this ranks up there with the Tabasco chocolate that I had the other day. <laughs> that was pretty interesting too. It was that dark chocolate, and then it had a kick at the end, mm. which is pretty interesting. Very that's nice. A, that's a it's a medley of flavors. These are two of my favorite things. <laughs> These are some of my favorite things. So there you have it. Moe's bacon dark chocolate. Bacon bar. Mm-mm-mm. Thanks to my wife Karen Thank for you, uh, Karen. For uh, taking care of the God Whispers here and all their chocolate and bacon needs. I know people at home are marginally grossed out right now, but it's actually good. Yeah. I like it. Katrina. I don't know who this Katrina is, Let's but see that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if if I was married, I'd be I'd be writing her a letter right now. <laughs> Dear Katrina. Yeah. Well, she she writes a little a couple of paragraphs. Thank on you this for bar. the delicious nature of your chocolate. <laughs> Attended La Cordon Bleu in Paris. Yeah. No, she's got credentials. You know, nothing says bacon like La Cordon Bleu. Yeah, I gotta uh, let, me, mm. let me put this wrap away. We're mm-hmm. done. Done with that. Well, when we get to the break, we're going to sample a little more of that. This is this is like <clears throat> dessert and breakfast all all together in one bar. She writes, "I began experimenting with bacon, chocolate at the. She ten- was in college. At the, no, at That's... the tender age of six. Oh, six. Oh my! While while eating chocolate chip pancakes drenched in Aunt Jemima syrup, as children often mm. do, beside my chocolate laden cakes lay three strips of yes sizzling bacon. Oh. 
just barely touching a sweet pool of maple syrup. <laughs> this, is, this is too much. I can't read it. And then the magic, just, just a bite of the bacon was too salty, and I yearned for the sweet kiss of chocolate and syrup. <laughs> it's like a dime romance novel so, right so there. So I combined the two. There are women at home right now throwing their Fabio-covered novels to the side. We need background music for this. This was a turning point. (laughs) On that plate, something magical happened. The beginnings of a combination so ethereal and delicious that it would haunt my thoughts until I found the medium to express it. Chocolate. Art. This is art, (laughs) is what it is. (laughs) I'm not done. From there... I want, I, want, I, want the, I want the listeners to have the full experience here. From there, it was just a matter of time, and what began as a love of salt and sweet quickly unraveled into an obsession. Mm. This happens. you got to be mm. careful. Yeah. First, the, un, the unveiling of the royal coupling in solid bar form, blending bits and pieces of applewood smoked bacon with a sprinkling of alderwood smoked salt and milk chocolate. And now... At long last, a dose of bacon for the dark chocolate enthusiasts. Same seductive recipe. It's working for mm. me. But but in a dark chocolate hue. Really, what doesn't taste better with bacon? <laughs> Peace, love, and chocolate. Katrina. Now, I think if you simply had my bacon mug filled with cheese and then you dipped it in there yeah, well There's, i mean just cheese not, with that we one. didn't follow the instructions Uh-oh. you know we what just we just started chomping on this thing like you know a bunch of yahoos all right here's how you're supposed to eat this okay so <laughs> first it says breathe 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 yes. so <sighs> what kind of wine would you have with this uh i, I think a nice cab cabernet oh yeah, yeah. Uh, engage your five senses Close your eyes and inhale deeply. Be in the present moment. (laughs) Notice the color of the chocolate, the glossy shine. Rub your thumb (laughs) over the chocolate bar to release the aromas of smoked apples. See, we did this all wrong, dude. All right, give me another piece. I mean, we were were biting out on this like a Hershey, like a Nestle's Crunch bar. You you got it smeared all over your teeth still. It's awesome. (laughs) I'm loving it. Rub your. I got to read that sentence again. Rub your thumb. Do we have to? Do we have to up the rating on this? Wow. Do you you think this is becoming NC seventeen real quick here? I think. I think the iTunes thing needs to have. You know, I've heard. I've heard it said that food and sex are interchangeable about how you talk about it. We're proving it right here. (laughs) Rub your thumb over the chocolate bar to release the aromas of smoked applewood bacon flirting with dark chocolate. Hmm. Snap off just a tiny piece. Dude, we ate a third of this bar here. You know, this is, we're talking three ounces. We ate, we had a solid ounce and just like yeah, I mean, we just inhaled this. It was you know? good. It it's was not M and M's we're talking here. Um, snap off just a tiny piece and place it in your mouth. Let the oh, <laughs> let the lust of salt and sweet coat your tongue. And this sounds like it's a sin. <laughs> you have to go I don't to know con- if I can you eat this anymore. You got to go to confession after you eat this. This commandment is, uh, you know, this is like a. And then, then you have Katrina on yeah, the back, I know. right? This here. is a serious Fifth Commandment issue going Good. on here. I don't, Maybe. Or I mean, Sixth Commandment, rather. Fifth Commandment. I didn't kill anyone or want to on this one. All right, I'm going to try. First, I'm rubbing. Now I'm wanting to kill you because you got. You, you've, you've managed to hoard keep, it over keep there. Keep talking. <laughs> Like you weren't doing it right again. I didn't see you rubbing it with your thumb. 
And this is it's bad habit. This is why we make the big bucks, folks, right here. Man, this is you know, before this program, Bill was saying, I'm not feeling it today, I'm kind of tired. He's just wired right now. It's the caffeine and the sugar and the bacon. Well, it kind of fits. It kind of fits the two kinds theme: chocolate <laughs> and bacon. <laughs> I had no idea before we started recording that we'd have this beautiful illustration. <laughs> so, shall we then say that it's a sin to eat chocolate without bacon? <laughs> well, we could we could we could think about that. We should debate this for a second. If 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 you have chocolate offered with bacon or bacon offered without chocolate. It's not properly given you know, at this point. I've really got to admit, this is good. <laughs> this is like those, you know, those, those Trader Joe's almonds covered in dark chocolate, and, and they have that, that salt, they yeah, put the, yeah. like some, and sugar, mm-hmm. crystalline sugar and some kind of sea salt. That, that, those things are addictive. Hmm. And uh, they, they, um, they correspond really well. They, they work really well with my low-salt um, you know, hypertension diet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As does this. I, I have to say that... <laughs> I think maybe a nice queso cheese, uh, would, uh, you know, kind of a jalapeno cheese dip would be good with that. A queso fundido. <laughs> Man alive. 13 minutes into the show now. and With a we... dramatic reading from Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> Oh, man. There's now us and the two people listening, our (laughs) dear friends. I'm posting her picture for this episode. I don't don't care. Either that or the box. picture. Oh, the box. You you know there's a Google image of that. Well, you scan both sides and then post them together. (laughs) You just go to Google Images. Moe's Dark Bacon Bar. Mm. Friends, you you really, you want this in your, this is the ultimate stocking stuff. I want to know where Karen found that. Uh, she's resourceful. She is. It also, it also shows that she, I think she listens to the show. Very gifted lady. So we got to be careful. Yeah, my wife's say. up to like episode four now. Nice. So she's, she's cruising along. Huh. Well, let me, let me get the bacon out from between my teeth here. And, yes, uh, yes. and we're going to. Hey, you know, uh, oh, I'm dropping this now. Um, we were just talking about Hanukkah. Do you want to go there? Because I've, I've got a real question here. Why, why don't Christians celebrate Hanukkah? You know, that's a good question. I, I think that it's part of our history. I mean, if we, if we recognize Passover, which is another question, why we don't celebrate Passover. Oh, I, no, 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 no. Now you, you can answer that one, Kimo Okay, Sabi. Why um, not celebrate Passover? The Lord's Bill? Supper is the fulfillment of the Passover. Yeah, but it's still a historic event uh, no, no, in our no, no. history but, but, as Christians. No, but but see, it's not simply a historic event. That that's the thing. Okay, I mean, uh, Hanukkah is not even in the Old Testament. No, that's true. It's the intertestamental period. Yeah, Hanukkah, Hanukkah is like Purim, which is just it's a, it's a minor throw-in festival. Yeah. That's, it's become a big deal just as a because competition of Christmas. for Christmas, right? But but it's, it's it's actually a minor festival. You know, it it really isn't even that. It's it's more like a national holiday rather than a holy day. Okay, so what's wrong with celebrating Passover like uh, Lincoln's birthday? Because it's it's not it's that's not a historic or memorial. Moses's birthday. That's, that's we a, always celebrate that, that. That's an Old Testament sacrament. Okay, true. And so yeah. it would be it would be say well, why don't we require? Well, I mean, you know, why don't we why don't we celebrate circumcision? <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Well, enough said. I'm not saying why don't we observe it as much as well. I guess we do acknowledge Passover and well, we we do every time we have the Lord's Supper. Right. I mean, that 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 is that is the 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 Passover, the New Covenant. Okay, 
Which right. leads into our topic, actually, of, you know, that that's the blood of the covenant. But, uh, yeah, Hanukkah, yeah, why don't we? You know, we could double down here with these holidays, and, uh, and you know, kids could double their take. Right. If, well, we, if we did Hanukkah and Christmas. I think if everybody would just observe the 12 days of Christmas, you'd really make out like a bandit. Yeah, although I, I, don't th- I, I don't think the, the tradition was to give gifts every day. I don't um, know. I just know the song. I, 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 isn't isn't like the day after Christmas? Isn't that the the, the present exchanging day, Boxing Day? That's Boxing Day. Yeah, isn't that, that's what it's about, isn't it? Uh, as I understand, Boxing Day. I might be wrong, but uh, it was a British holiday where you the wealthier people would take their leftovers, box them up, and take them to the poor people. But I might be wrong on that. I, I thought it was a day when everybody kind of went around, visited, exchanged presents, and stuff. I thought it was a day to fight Boxing Day <laughs> myself. <laughs> Okay, so about 175 years before Jesus, uh, the Jews are being, once again, sold into bondage. Uh, For about 25 years, the Greeks had kind of conquered them and and taken over the area. And Antiochus Epiphanes uh, decides that uh, Judaism will not be tolerated anymore, puts up a big statue of Zeus in the temple. Yes, and sacrifices a pig. That part I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he desecrated it. In so fact, when, when, when the Maccabee boys uh, <clears throat> reclaimed the temple, <clears throat> they decided that they couldn't, um, they couldn't, they couldn't reclaim the altar because it had been desecrated by pig's blood. Hmm. So they disassembled it and buried the stones somewhere else, you know, because they're all unclean. And they rebuilt the they rebuilt the altar of sacrifice because they determined it couldn't be. That's in that's in the book of Second Maccabees, by the way. Good to know. Mm-hmm. So Judah Maccabees and the boys revolt. Yep, they beat back the Syrian army, which is shocking because they were outnumbered and all the rest. Yep. Actually, Antiochus was dead by then. He died of a case of intestinal worms, just like Herod in, mm. in the book of Acts later. Yeah. Oh, that's what you get for eating the pork. It's kind of funny. He was well. he, he was he was heading back home or something, and 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 all of a sudden. Uh, had 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 this incredible intestinal pain and starts bargaining with God, and he even offers to become a Jew. Really? Yeah, that's in the book of First Maccabees or Second. I can't remember which. But it's uh, been it's, a long time since I've looked in the Maccabees. Yeah, but but they but they, you're right. I mean, they they reclaimed the temple, and that's that's the big thing. It's the it's, yeah. it's the festival of the de- the rededication of the temple. So, as legend has it, at this point, they have oil for one day. Uh, because the other oil has been somehow tainted, desecrated, whatever. It's not pure. It's been touched by goyim or something. Yeah, the oil part's not in the book of First or Second Maccabees. I'm the story here. <laughs> Do you mind? Jeez. <laughs> the, ho- the holiday is, though. <laughs> mystically and magically, the lantern burns for not one day, but eight days. And so we have the eight days of Hanukkah, folks. According to... Second Maccabees, <laughs> which is probably a lot more Don't reliable. Don't bother me with facts. Which is I'm in the, telling you what the story which is. Which is in the Apocrypha, by the way. Um, <laughs> the, I think the, 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 the um, what are we talking about here? The, the ceremony of the, of the dedication uh, of the temple in 167 or so uh, is uh, patterned after the, the Feast of Tabernacles, which was also a, a one-week an eight day, you know, one week feast. So, so it's kind of patterned after that. You were a killjoy. Jesus celebrated it. Hanukkah. Yeah. Did he? Did he make a dreidel out of clay? No. 
But but he he actually. Are you sure? He, what uh, about when he was little? I don't know. Uh, but but uh, he was he was in Jerusalem for the feast of the dedication. It's in John. I think John. Hold on, I'll find out. Okay, I'm holding on. We need some elevator music here. <laughs> but this is not a major Jewish holy day or anything like Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah or any of those. This is, uh, like we said, something that is kind of, a, I don't know, a counterpoint to Christmas because the Jewish kids can't be left out of the gift giving and all that stuff. Well, I think it's increased in, in, in sort of cultural importance, but, but really it's not an old Testament. It's not one of the required feasts like Passover, Tabernacles, right. Pentecost, and uh, Yom Kippur. It's, it's not, an, it's not even old Testament. It's intertestament. By the way, Paul and I ate at our favorite Jewish place, uh, Benji's the other day. And they're about the only place around that had, uh, the windows all decorated, said happy holidays and all that, and then they had the big menorah in the window and all that kind of stuff too. But I was kind of surprised with the snowscape and all the rest. I haven't seen a whole lot of it this year, but you have to go to the Jewish place to find a little Christmas spirit. <laughs> they're, they're decorated for Christmas? <laughs> kind of. Nice. Yeah. Well, I love they're, Benji's. Boy, they're, they're decorated for winter. They've got the best corned beef sandwich around. It's, it's a great place. Yeah. No. Uh, John chapter 10, uh, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem at the Feast of the Dedication. Hanukkah. Is that when the, the Greeks approach Jesus? Is that the one? I don't know. I, anyway. Don't ask me questions like that. Uh, well, is that the one where the Greeks approach the apostles and they're like, I don't know what to do here because <laughs> these Greeks are talking to us and they say, sir, we would like to see Jesus. Is that the one? Uh, no. Um, okay, I'm wrong. That's John chapter 12, I believe. Uh, ah. But but this is this is where the Jews actually uh, confront him <clears throat> and, and say, uh, you know, are you the Christ or not? Ah, and that, but uh, you know, it's kind of interesting though, because because the feast of the dedication is really tied up in sort of messianic overtones. You know, the Maccabean boys were, uh, you know, they were kind of messianic figures in their own right. Yeah, they were also studs. Well, but the, the, the idea that Messiah was going to be a stud, you know, that he was he was going to push back the the, the oppressive armies and uh, yeah. reestablish the uh, the temple and and. Uh, and reestablish the greatness of Jerusalem and, and all of that. So uh, Jesus wandering around uh, Jerusalem at the time of the Feast of the Dedication, you know, that's politically pretty hot. Hot time. Yep. Well, yeah, and this is not too distant in Jewish history at this point either. I mean, we're talking no. 175 years, 180 less, less, years. 100, 150, like that. But, uh, well, no, you're right. You're right. No, but that's right, about 175 years. Yeah. That's right. So this this is, you know, in the, in the grand scheme, our country's young, but... And the grants, you know, if you've got this long history, 175 years, that wasn't too long ago. That was well, and that fresh. that event, that desecration of the temple by Antiochus Epiphanes the fourth, um, was predicted by Daniel. You know, that's the abomination that causes desolation. Wait, that's going to happen with the rapture? What are you talking <laughs> well, about? Well, but see, it's it's so momentous that it becomes <laughs> a, a, an historical type. Um, so that yeah. so that when Jesus uh, refers to it again. In, in that little apocalypse, that, that little end times uh, thing that he does, um, like in Matthew 26, uh, you have this parenthetical note. You know, he says, when you see the abomination that causes desolation in the temple, and there's that parenthesis, let the reader understand or take note, you know, mm-hmm. which means let the guy who's reading it stop and explain if necessary. Okay. Um, but they're referring to that past <clears throat> event, and Jesus is referring to the coming event of the destruction of the temple, which was, again, desecrated by the Romans. 70, 80, yeah. You know, but it becomes a pattern 
and a, a, an historic pattern in that. So this is a huge event, and, that, and, and Hanukkah just kind of keeps that alive in the memory of the people. That is the oppression of the people, the desecration of the temple, the, the providence and care of God's people by God. And I think, I think you're right. I think, I think it's, a good, um, it, it's good for Christians to at least acknowledge this because mm-hmm. it's an illustration of God's providential care of Israel until the fullness of time when the Christ was born of Israel. You know, this is God. God protected His people until the fullness of time came, when, when, when you know, the Son of Israel, the, tr- the true Israelite, is born. That that is Christ. And it's interesting, also, like you were saying, the that Judas Maccabee, Judah Maccabee, uh, leads the people through these trials and through you know the warfare to reclaim that which is rightly God's. He really is a strong Christ figure in all of this, isn't he? Well, yeah, messianic certainly, right. and and I think and there have been a, there were a number at that time there were a number of revolts where people got armies together. So and and I've said this before, you can just imagine Jesus riding into Jerusalem at the beginning of Holy Week, and all those buttons are being pushed again. Yeah, and and you pointed out I think very importantly that it wasn't all that long ago. Right, where the the Maccabean revolt was was uh, was yeah, you know, that's fresh on people's minds. Right, yeah, and, well, uh, y- and you see these events pop up in Jewish history, like Masada, also, and uh, you know the mountaintop uh, fortress that they held for so long there, also, and a, a real strong history on these things. Pretty so, cool. so what's basically happened in this first half hour is we haven't gotten to the topic. <laughs> <Don't>, we experienced <laughs> the new sacrament. <laughs> well, yeah. there, there is certainly grace involved here somehow. I'm not sure quite how. Oh my! I'm not going to say the forgiveness of sin. No, it, it's, it's a need of the forgiveness it's, of sin. It's a there is a gift of grace in your hand right there. The the, the bacon uh, bar. Well, <laughs> Moe's dark bacon bar. Uh, with the picture of somebody named Katrina. We will be Googling this at the break yes. and figuring this out, and, yes, and we we'll get back to you on this, but there will be pictures. There's there's not really time to get into our topic before we have to take a break in two minutes here, but I I, I told you I wouldn't go there, but I'm going to Kwanzaa. <laughs> Kwan- <laughs> it's, it's another... Thing that kind of comes we, in around. We this may season. as well be doing Festivus and at this point. There, well, I celebrate Festivus every year on the twenty third. I send out emails and tell everyone how disappointed I am with them. <laughs> the airing of the grievances, and then Paula and I wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> A fine tradition. Yeah, uh, Kwanzaa. It's like forty years old. Nineteen sixty-six, invented by the Black Panthers, basically. <laughs> Close, but not. Well, he's quite. a friend of Huey Newton's. I mean, Huey Newton was King. Pin Black Panther guy. <laughs> do you, do you, I mean? Do you have who who invented Kwanzaa? No, nah, I don't remember oh, you, you his lost name. One. By He's the way, a professor at uh, Cal State Long Beach, right? right? Yeah. Right. But by the way, you are you are correct about Boxing Day. Yes, Boxing Day is is traditionally it's a, it's a public it's a civil holiday, uh, but it was also a day that originated where um, it's the Anglo-Saxon tradition of giving seasonal gifts in the form of a Christmas box to less wealthy people and slaves. Slaves, yeah, probably wow. probably has a, has a Dickens Christmas Carol somewhat in mind there too. I, you know, we're pretty much out of time here on on this. <laughs> I preempted this Kwanzaa. segment, <laughs> but I got to tell you, I'm looking across the table at the Bride of Frankenstein. Swirl has been like pulling his hair out, dealing with me. His hair's just stuck up in the back. It's it's crazy. And don't forget to get your bacon. Brought to you by Moe's Dark Bacon Moe's. Bar. Big fan. <laughs> 
There it is. We're out of time. We'll be right back after this. Pull out your fork. Pull out your knife. Get yourself ready for the time of your life. Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig Dinofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. I'm holding my dark chocolate bacon in my hand, rubbing it with my thumb. In my chocolate-stained fingers. <laughs> Listen, listening to the crackling of the bacon, yeah. smelling. Ah, yes, as, as the aroma is released. <laughs> by, by the way, while, while Craig is enjoying the Moe's, Moe's dark bacon bar... <laughs> um, it just keeps getting better. Yeah, we on our break we we, we found uh, this is Katrina Markov. Uh, you can find her at peaceloveandchocolate.com. <laughs> and all I can say is enough said. <laughs> What's so funny about peace, love, and chocolate? <laughs> no, I just, As, I'm having troubles here. Actually, that was an Elvis Costello song. What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Now she has she has four um, bacon and chocolate uh, recipes here uh, mm. on her blog. Yes, do tell. Um, sizzling bacon in shot glasses with maple syrup pudding. There's just something so wrong about that. Even the picture, um, bacon and chocolate panini. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, bacon bar and chorizo stuffed dates with spicy Oaxaca red sauce. <laughs> and I don't even know what that is, but it sounds and, good. And if you want to redefine your breakfast, chocolate spotted bacon pancakes. Mm-hmm. Oh my! It's nutritious and delicious, <laughs> all at the same time. What can I say? <clears throat> two we, kinds. <laughs> two kinds. Chocolate and bacon. Two kinds. Are we going to talk about that today? Yeah, let's do that. As we, man, you you look blissed out there. You, I am. You know, chocolate, I, bacon. I just looked down at my cell phone. I we mentioned Dan Kistler last episode. He was just trying to call through. Just now. <laughs> Something about he knew Dan and bacon. He, and chocolate. He knew. It all he, comes he, together. He, you know, he hasn't heard this yet, but but he knew that bacon was involved. So that's right. That's right. Well, why don't we, uh, in a, in some sort of attempt to talk theology in the second half of the episode, yes. now now that we are fortified with bacon, mm. <laughs> yes, and and the writings of Katrina Markov, the new love in my life, <laughs> not my, not her as much as her. Be, be still, creations. my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, um, I'm coming home to you, Paula. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm still loving you. My right. wife's going to regret ever giving us that bar. <laughs> Bill and Craig left the church for the cult of the bacon chocolate. Right. That's that's right. <laughs> the, the gypsy bacon chocolate goddess. You know, you just get that that salty bacony taste stuck in your teeth, and after the chocolate's you, gone, you still have the bacon. You don't don't soon forget it. There there is something deeply wrong with this combination. It's so wrong. It's right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how wrong that's, it is. Yeah. There's there are some analogies that could be made here. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Article 22 on both kinds, and kinds refer to the cup and to the bread of the Lord's Supper. Uh, or body and blood, as a Right. Case In the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, both kinds are given to laymen. Because this usage has the command of the Lord in Matthew 26, drink of it, all of you. There Jesus referring to those at table with him. Christ is here manifestly commanded with reference to the cup that all should drink of it. Lest anybody should cap, cap, captiously object. That's a good word, captiously. I don't even know what that is. Wow. Object that this refers only to priests. And that could be the argument. You see, Rome might make the argument uh, that uh, the, the 12 or 11 sitting around with Jesus on the night he was betrayed, those are the apostles. And so they're not just mere disciples, but they're apostles. Therefore, they're not laity. They're clergy, hmm. so to speak. Okay. But Paul, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty cites the example from which it appears that the whole assembly of the congregation in Corinth received both kinds. This usage continued in the church for a long time. Oh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, I skipped from one translation to the other. This usage continued in church for a long time. It is not known when or by whom it was changed, although Cardinal Cassanus mentions when the change was approved. Cyprian, in several places, testifies that the blood was given to the people. The same is testified by Jerome, who said the priests administer the Eucharist and distribute the blood of Christ to the people. In fact, Pope, Pope Gelasius, or Galasius commanded that the sacrament should not be divided. It is only a custom of quite recent times that holds otherwise, but it is evident that a custom introduced contrary to the commands of God is not to be approved as the canons testify. This custom was adopted only in defiance of the scriptures, but also in contra- not only in defiance of the scriptures, but also in contradiction to ancient canons and the example of the church. Consequently, if any people preferred to use both kinds of the sacrament, they should not have been compelled with offense to their consciences to do otherwise. Because the division of the sacrament does not agree with the institution of Christ, the processions which are hitherto held are also omitted among us. That's referring to the Corpus Christi processions, right. whereby a consecrated host is paraded about. And everybody bows. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal because the uh, evangelical princes refused to participate in the Corpus Christi procession that occurred in Augsburg on June 16, 1530. So, um, yeah, and, I, and there's a note in Tappert that even, quote, carrying the sacrament across the street was later forbidden. Wow. So, but uh, the whole idea is that the sacrament is to be kept whole and inviolate as Christ gave it and uh, not to uh, deny the laity. And that's really the issue here is it was a distinction of clergy and laity that the laity received only the body of Christ, whereas the clergy were the only ones who partook of both body and blood. Now, as I understand, the logic behind Rome's position on this was kind of like, you can't separate the flesh from the blood. So if you have the body of Christ, you're somehow by default receiving the blood of Christ. And this kind of harkens back to the Merchant of Venice, William Shakespeare, around the same period of time where, you know, the the idea was you can have your pound of flesh, but you can't spill a drop of blood. And you can't do that. So they're somehow tied together. And uh, so if you receive it in one kind... The theory is you're receiving it in both. Is that fair enough? Yeah, that's called the the doctrine of concomitance. Yes. Namely, that the whole Christ is present in either element. So, because Christ can't be divided, therefore, what you receive with the bread is the same as what you receive with the cup. But, I mean, how how would you respond to that? 
That's not the way that Jesus gave it to us. Yeah, the words kind of, <laughs> well, it's not what Jesus said. Right. Um, he said of the bread, this is my body. You know, it's, it's kind of, to say the whole Christ, um, what does this mean? The whole Christ is present in both. Um, he says the bread is his body given into death, and he says that the, the wine of the cup is his blood. And it's going beyond that to say those are, because body and blood are, are all each, you know, the whole Christ, therefore you receive the same gift with one or the other. I mean, he says you receive different gifts. Hmm. I almost look at it this way. It's his body given into death. So, so eating, eating the bread that is his body is to partake of his death, to live off his death, which is a pattern in the scriptures. We, we live off vicariously off the death of another since the fall. Okay. And, but to drink of the cup is to drink of his life because the blood is in the life, Leviticus 17.11. Interesting. See, there's no blood in the... In fact, there's no blood in the body when you're talking about sacrifice because the nature of sacrifice is to separate body and blood, right? right? Yeah, you drain the blood. Yeah, and, and blood is forbidden in, the, in the, the Old Testament to eat. And so the sacrifices were, were fully drained of blood before they were offered and, you know, ultimately eaten. Yeah, they'd hang the animal upside down, slit its jugular, and let the heart pump out all the blood and drain the body of its blood a lot of the time. Right. So, so the nature of sacrifice is to separate body and blood, and the body and the blood have different significance. The, the body is the body of death from which we live, hmm. uh, whereas the blood is the life of the creature that has, that has died in, as, as the, the vicarious victim, as the substitute or the sacrifice. So one might argue, I, I don't, you know, it's not direct, it's kind of by logical inference, inference that, that uh, if you don't receive the cup, you're not receiving the life of Christ. You're not receiving his blood. Interesting. Interesting. I never really thought about it like that, but there is life in the blood. That was... That's the principle. Yeah, that's, that's the, the whole, whole principle idea. of blood sacrifice. Very good. Very so, good. you know, but here's the thing is Melanchthon knows history. He knows the ancient church. He knows the his, history of this practice, and he recognizes that this is unbiblical. It's unhistorical. It's, it's against the canons. It's, it, you know, it's, it's basically against everything <laughs> of the first thousand years of the church. Um, that doctrine you referred to is 12th century. That's, that's the Fourth Lateran Council. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's unclear as to why. What, what, what brought this about in the first place? Why the cup was withheld from the laity? I've heard, I've always heard it was that the laity actually refused it out of fear of spillage and things like that. Well, and that's what I understood why they were refusing it to the laity is because, you know, the peasant, peasants couldn't be responsible with something that you could spill. Right. Um, you uh, drop, the, drop the host, you can always pick it up. Exactly. Uh, although there, you know, there's, there's due pre, there are due precautions against that too, you know, with the sort of gold plate under the chin right, of the communicant right. and everything. We don't do that. No, we don't. Maybe we should. Uh, well, <laughs> I end up dropping it more often than the parishioners. Seriously, do. yeah, maybe. that's never happened. One time, one time, I, I I dropped I dropped a host, and you know, I mean, what I do is is you just immediately remedy the situation. You pick it up, and uh, and and I put it on the altar. And just kind of continue on. Yeah. Actually, in the one case, I just I just uh, put it on the altar, and then as I was preparing for the next group of communicants, I just ate it. Yeah, that's what I do. 
I followed the uh, what the forty five second rule. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've dropped it probably three times. I would say, and usually it's a week where I'm sick and just foggy headed and everything, and you know, but. Yeah, I do that. I put it. But I, I don't know historically whether the laity just refused it and <clears throat> and kind of handed it back to the clergy, or whether the clergy was were withholding it from the laity. It's hard to say. But but uh, that that was the the relatively recent practice at the time of Luther, and of course there was already Jan Hus, John right. Hus, um, in Bohemia who objected. To this, it was kind of one of the early reformers. Right. Yeah, he got burned at the stake for all yeah. this stuff. Well, and see, it's the Council of Constance that that basically excommunicated him, that formalized this doctrine of concomitance and and uh, and made communion under two kinds sinful for the laity. Right, and that's a hundred years before Luther. So this is once again short time span in history between. When this is formalized and when Luther and the boys really protest. Now, what's interesting in in the Roman Church is that with Vatican II and the reforms of Vatican II in 1962, the laity were were again encouraged to receive communion under both kinds. Hmm. Formally, I mean, the the, the uh, Vatican II uh, seeks to restore the ancient practice of of communion under both kinds. Now, here's the funny twist. Uh, first of all, it's been slow in happening. If you go to a mass, you know, you, you, depending on how young the demographic is and, and and everything else, you won't see that many people communing in the cup. Right. And now with with all the you know the flu scares and the and, and all these you know, plagues and pestilences that we're constantly worried about. Um, they're actually withdrawing the cup again from the lady. I, I, I had, I had uh, read this in the paper that, that there were bishops uh, basically saying don't offer the cup to the lady anymore. Well, and they haven't gone the Methodist route of the individual cups either. And they won't. No. They won't because the symbolism of the cup is too strong. Right. Uh, but, but but they don't distribute it to anybody but the the you know the priests who are presiding there. How many of our listeners do you think I just upset by calling it Methodist? Uh, I don't know. Well, since we have eight, I mean, like three? One, two, maybe. Two, tops, maybe, yeah. yeah. Okay. But <laughs> those cups are another discussion, and, and we probably should have it at some point if we haven't already. But but here, you know, in, in Lutheran circles, we just take it for granted. Now, here's an interesting sort of Luther side. You know, you're quoting Luther apocryphally in the, the first half of the show. It's always the funnest way to do it. Yeah, and mostly wrong, too. But, but uh, um, Wrong is subjective. Luther did—he came out of protective custody— uh, in in 1522 and went back to Wittenberg, and uh, it, because Karlstadt was accelerating the pace of the Reformation, very impatient reformer. Right. And uh, one of the things that that disturbed Luther was that people were now required to receive communion under both kinds. Right. And so in 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 one of his Invocavit sermons, he preached eight sermons during the week of Invocavit, which is a week in Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, this one would, would have been the fifth sermon on March 13th. Uh, but he addresses this business of two kinds. And uh, he, he, he he's, this is at the, near the end of the sermon, but he says, um, although I hold that it is necessary that the sacrament should be received in both kinds according to the institution of the Lord. Nevertheless, it must not be made compulsory or a general law. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, it's 1522. It's fairly early in the Reformation. Um, but but he basically says that uh, if if people aren't doing it for the right reasons, they should go back to one kind, you know, until they kind of get it gospel right. Because Because for Luther, you never push gospel, you never push gospel things with the law. 
Right. And and so uh, it's kind of interesting in in this the, this this set of sermons that he actually uh, has them go back to the prior practice, even though he knows the institution of Christ demands that both kinds be given. Uh, they have to do it for that sake and not just basically to shake their fist at the Pope. Now this brings up the whole question of what do we do with with parishioners who have issues with receiving it in both kinds and what i mean by that is <laughs> issues <laughs> what i mean by that is parishioners with issues mostly recovering alcoholics yeah. that have a hard time with the wine yeah uh you know a lot of our churches go the way of well the inner ring is white grape juice and right. the outer rings are that's right are choice wine, of beverages uh which is a problem because grape juice is has extreme steps have been taken to make sure that it never becomes wine so we've got a real problem on our hands there. I mean, it's almost like having grape soda instead, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, we use non-alcoholic wine. Well, that's tasted and, and accepted as wine in the wine community. So I guess maybe de-alcoholized wine isn't a bad way to go. But then a lot of us also say, well, I would prefer that they would commune just in one kind. Right. You know, the problem... There are a couple of problems. One is, you know, you can't be swapping beverages of your choice. Okay. You know, the Lord took wine, and and so the the question is, is 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 what you are is what you are drinking recognizably defined as wine? Okay. You know, grape wine. Um, secondly, the practice you described, and here's here's where the problem comes in with those individual cups right. whereby you offended all the people by calling them Methodist. That's possible. I wasn't offended, so almost everyone. Nor was, was I. But but that practice that practice is possible only only if you um, have individual cups, right? And and see to me that presents a problem is is that if you were to have but one cup, then you could not have a selection of, of beverages. Everybody would have to drink the same thing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and and I have I have both a common chalice and individual cups. As, as do I. And but the rule that I follow is that it's got to be the same for everybody. This this is this is a communion. This is a common meal. It's a communion in the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. It, it's it's not an individualized meal. So you you know this isn't like Burger King where you get to have it your way. Uh, you have it the Lord's way, and that's the good way. But. Um, I don't. I don't make any any. Ex, there there are no exceptions there either. We all drink the same thing. Now we could bear one another's burdens and all drink that horrible de-alcoholized wine. I suppose. Oh, man. You ever try that stuff? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I uh, I, I tried it once just to, just to sort of see what it was about because I, I I I had somebody with this 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 issue and and I was you know kind of working through solutions uh-huh. to it. Now now my solution it may not be. You know, this may not be the best, um, but my solution is to revert to one kind. And what about this one? Here's this one almost solves the whole problem. And I've done this for pregnant women in my congregation that are completely paranoid of yeah, any where, alcohol. Where does that come from? 1978. You, know, you get more alcohol gargling somewhere. with scope. Yeah, I know. But uh, so we'll take one of the individual cups, fill it with water about three quarters of the way, add a couple drops of the same wine that the rest of us are receiving. What do you think about that option? Um, 
I mean, so it is the common wine. It's just watered down. Yeah. And for my cup, I pour some Everclear in there, so I get a little. <laughs> yeah, just the, kidding. That's wrong. Just kidding. <laughs> that's just wrong. <laughs> Spoken under the influence of chocolate and bacon. I, I'm not responsible for yeah, myself right, right now. No, you shouldn't, I'm you out shouldn't of drive or record God Whispers episodes <laughs> under this condition. Yeah, it's worthy of thought. The early church did, did um, cut the wine with water right. for probably cost's sake on the one hand mm. and possibly for uh scandal of drunkenness and stuff like that on the, the other the other hand they they're they're rather rigid about these things apparently they refilled the cup quite often <laughs> i guess so <laughs> Uh, but but it's to the point where where the dilution of the water of the wine with the water has sort of ceremonial significance in, in the Roman Church, where it it really is just a, a practical, a pragmatic thing. Have you, this is one of the ways that I determine which parishioners I really want to hang out with. Uh, have you ever noticed this? Some of the parishioners drink deeply of the cup, <laughs> and some of them barely the wine barely there, touches their lips. There are the sippers and there are the slurpers. Yeah. Yes, yes, there yeah. are. And uh, you know, I assume that the ones who really drink deeply. Are are either they really like bad wine because it is bad, or or um, they're just big sinners and they they, they just want to be sure. Well, maybe uh, they are trying to make sure they have more Jesus. But uh. but I have I have basically counseled, and it's got to be an it's got to be a, a decision that we both arrive at. But I, I've I've counseled people that as long as you are unable to receive the blood of Christ, then receive the body of Christ. Um, but here's here's the one catch or the, the thing is I always stop before them at the communion rail and and I hold the chalice before mm-hmm. them and I say the blood of Christ shed for you mm-hmm. um, and because I want it very clear that that this is not being withheld from them right and and I my I also then counsel that when the Lord grants you the strength to receive His blood then you should do so even if that's the only drink you ever do. Hmm. You know, and and I think you make a real good point here. In the Roman Catholic Church, it wasn't offered or given in two kinds. Well, that's the issue right there's, here. And, and and there's a difference between not giving it in both kinds and not receiving it in both kinds. If I have a wheat allergy or something like that, and I'm completely paranoid of anything flowery, then I guess I would partake of the cup alone. Yeah, I mean that, that's a, that's an inter- that's a really interesting hypo, and it's not just a hypothetical. It's real. I, there are people who cannot eat the kind of wheat that is grown today. Right. I mean, one might argue how close the wheat is <laughs> that we have to the wheat that Jesus had, um, because it really bears kind of a, a far derivative relationship. But uh, what do you do then? And uh, yeah, that, that's 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 another possibility. Of course, the, the I think I think probably the the conservative Lutheran approach would be just simply to say, well, then for for you, the sac- you, you can't receive the sacrament because you're just not able to receive the right. sacrament. Right. It would be like somebody who can't swallow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if they can't swallow, they can't they can't eat or drink. There's yeah. there's a good good question. Do we uh, put it in the G tube of someone who? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, and I, and, and that's the you know, in, and is that eating and drinking? I've never even contemplated that one. Yeah, we we we're we're very fixated on the object of of what it is, but but we we miss the verbs, you know, take yeah. take eat and take drink. Uh, it's very clear in First Corinthians eleven where Paul describes and critiques the practice of the Corinthian church that they were all receiving both. Um, in fact, one of the scandals was that, that people are getting drunk. Um, but but he speaks of body and blood, bread and cup, 
always together. Uh, there is a curiosity, though, and, and I'm just going to point it out. You know, people get kind of wound up when they hear this, but the phrase as often as, do this as often as you drink it. Well, this is kind of what drove Zwingli and Luther apart on, on that. What? Do this in remembrance of me. As often no, as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. No, but the the often as is 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 not a command to do it often. That, that's a, you see that in the, one of our catechisms. It's a mistake. It's a it's a bad proof text. But but it means whenever. So whenever you 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 drink this cup, uh, do it in remembrance of me. But there is no whenever before the bread. See, and and that's that's my point. Um, and and uh, Joachim Jeremias, uh, in his uh, Eucharistic Words of Jesus, he, he points this out, um, that, uh, that this, this phrase, do this as often as you drink it or whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, might indicate the possibility that, that there is a Lord's Supper without the cup hmm. for whatever reason, the unavailability of wine or what, whatever it is. Interesting. Um, and where did he get that from? <laughs> well, he, he he got that from the text. I mean, that, that's that's that, that is what the text says, and and that's not in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, it's only it's only in First Corinthians, uh, but where Paul says, you know, <clears throat> do this whenever whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, as often as uh, that has as an implication that there may be times foreseeable where there is no cup. I think I'm missing what you're saying here. This cup, um, I'm looking, uh, starting verse 25, and the same way he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant or testament of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and uh-huh. drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh-huh. Now, the, you know, instead but of... You, his... you, are you just saying that because the often isn't mentioned above in the bread? Right. Or... It's not mentioned with the bread, and 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 uh, hear that as whenever, even with verse the following verse, verse twenty six. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until you come, till he comes. Hmm. So you know where you have a whenever, you have the possibility of it not going on. Now in, in verse twenty six, then if you don't eat the bread and drink the cup, obviously you don't proclaim the Lord's death. Um, but but in verse twenty, let's say I'm looking here twenty five. 25, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever. Do this as often as you drink it. Hmm. So, yeah, and that's Jeremias' argument. Now, you can, you can make of it what you will. Is this a special pleading? Does, is he trying to find something in the Scriptures that, that supports this idea that you can have communion under one kind? Um, not sure. But... Uh, I would go back, you know, the way the way a Lutheran solves this problem is you go back to what did the Lord say? What what are his words? And and his words are very clear over the bread and the cup, take it eat it, take and eat it, uh, take and drink of it all of you. And and right. that's that's sufficient then to kind of that's sufficient to clinch what the normal practice is. Well, and that goes back to the Corpus Christi processionals and and all the rest. You know, one of the big beefs that we have against the tabernacle and these sorts of things is Jesus says, take and eat, take and drink, not parade it about or, or, you know, bow down to it and worship it or anything like that. He says, eat and drink these for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, I think I mentioned before that when I was in Connecticut, I had a Roman Catholic uh, monk friend at the hospital, and I was chatting with him once, and I, I said, you know, I, I understand that some people in the past have actually taken the host home and buried it in hopes of making their garden grow. And I was kind of chuckling about it. He said, I do that. 
<laughs> I was like, no, no. I, I'm totally embarrassed. Dude. Well, you know, it's it's stuff like that that has caused. Um, I, I believe the story is that it, it's it's stories like that 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 caused the switch from placing the body of Christ in the ha- in the hand of the communicant, yeah, to uh, sticking it to his tongue, right? Because they wanted to make sure that it was eaten and not palmed and taken home. You'd put it in the garden or or prayed to or whatever. But see, all of these things go beyond the mandate and institution of Christ. Uh, you, you, the words tell you what it is, what to do with it. And anything beyond that, anything that goes outside of those words, you know, gets into dangerous speculation hmm. stuff. Yeah. And, and it, is high, it, is, it is purely dangerous speculation to assert that the whole Christ is present under both species when you have nothing in those words to suggest that. You have, you have two different gifts given, separate, separated by a meal. Okay, there is, there is the bread, and then there's a meal. And then there was a cup after the meal, after supper. So there's a huge time gap between the, the two gifts as well. Uh, and, to, and to argue that they're redundant or interchangeable kind of does violence to the gift itself. In short, time's up, but uh, receive it as it was given. And, and don't forget Moe's dark bacon bar. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina Markov. Somehow it tied together with the Lord's Supper. Oh, yes. We'll see you next time. Peace be with you. Should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat.